Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the place where Black is the main character, where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop and BMF. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. Welcome back to another episode of Within the Lines, coming at you on Wednesday, April 20th, 2022, 420 Blaze It, Ty. Oh, shit. Today we sound a little bit different. Tyler is coming at you via the internet. Uh, My dog, Maurice, got fixed on Monday, and Tyler was feeling a little sick, so we just decided to do it over the internet. I didn't want uh, Tyler to give me Rona, and I didn't want him to also hype up Maurice and make him tear his his, his scrotum, so there's that. (laughs) Yeah, I got to protect Maurice's scrotum at all costs. <laughs> what a great way to start the pod. Today we are reviewing <laughs> what I called, a little bit of a spoiler for my score, the movie of the year so far. Um, we're only in April. Everything, everywhere, all at once. A24 film, sci-fi adventure. Um, started out as like a, a smaller kind of release thing, and I'm seeing more and more movies pick it up. I'm seeing people talk about it on social media. Um, you know, it's only made $17.6 million in the box office, but that's okay. Starring Michelle Yeoh, Stephanie, Sue, and others. Um, and before that, though, Ty, we're going to talk Moon Knight Episode 4. Perhaps the most uh, interesting Moon Knight episode we've had yet. Yeah. Um, shit's off the rails. And I'm very confused. And uh, I want to talk about it. Because I don't know what to think. Yeah, it's a fun episode. Moon Knight is crazy. Everything, everywhere, all at once. I've been waiting two, three weeks to talk about this movie. I'm excited. Let's get into the show. 50% of the time, it works Alright, Ty, so episode four of Moon Knight, we just talked a little bit during the intro. Um, I've been just very confused, I guess. I was all out of sorts. I thought episode three and four was like, like a prequel to episode one and two, even though that doesn't make sense with the plot. Now that I think about it, like it doesn't make sense. I don't know why I thought that. I think I'm just stupid. Um, so Moon Knight, even though the ending of episode four was a little crazy, I don't want to say crazy. Well, no, it was crazy. I I feel like I'm at least understanding it a little bit better now. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know where your brain jumped to. Three is before one. That's just not how this works. But 
it's very linear. He was Moon Knight. He's no longer Moon Knight. He was shot. There's Talking Hippo. I, I don't know what's going on now. Okay, so obviously, now I will say, I watched this episode on my phone, and the iPhone still has, like, the dark problem with Disney+. Plus. I don't know if it's still a problem on the TV, but I had full brightness. I could barely see when they were, like, inside the tombs I, and stuff. It was a problem. I think it's just this episode, because this episode was really hard for me to see, and I watched it on my TV. Okay, okay. So, yeah, there was, like, like the mummy, like, I, it was obviously intentional. They didn't want to show it too much, but, like, there was some shit I just couldn't see. Um, So, the big thing is obviously the ending. So... Mark Spector slash, um, I always forget the other, Stephen Grant. They get shot by, um, what's the guy's name, the bad guy? I'm terrible at this. I don't <laughs> Ethan Hawke's character. The um, they get yeah. shot by him. Looks like he's dead. Falls into this puddle of water thing. And then uh, it transitions into a old school kind of sitcom show about an adventurer named Stephen Grant. And it's Mark Spector watching it. And he's pretty much in a mental hospital. And Ethan Hawke is the therapist and everything. And it pretty much insinuates like that all this was like made up in his head almost like that's what the show is trying to insinuate that all episode, the events of episode one through four was, you know, Mark Spector is really just this, uh, you know, mental health patient dealing with something. And then this is all, you know, the stuff he's made up in his head. Obviously that's not going to be the case. That's the kind of twist you put at an end of a movie, not episode four of a six part TV show where we know the hero is real. Um, (laughs) But it is it was interesting because it, it leaves you thinking, you know, what the hell um, you said you were reading that episode four is the what the hell episode. And that's absolutely what it was and how yeah. the hell they explain it going forward and what this means. Is he dead? What? I don't even know. This is going to be very interesting. I'm very stoked now for episode five and six. Yeah, I think that that hippo, the hippo lady is Amit, right? Like that's the person they were trying to release. Am I, am I thinking right here? Amit is the person they're they're trying to release. You think that's the hippo? I feel like I I know they showed the hippo earlier. I don't know like if that is that person, but my guess is like they released Amit, and now there's like just fucking some other reality type thing. Now that they've actually succeeded, mm-hmm. to where that's like he's back from the dead because Amit allowed them to be back from the dead for whatever mm. fucking reason. Mm. And so like that's a world Amit has created now that she's released. Okay. Oh, did you research this? No, this is off. Just I'm just thinking. Um. So Amit is actually a real Egyptian um goddess. Um. This isn't like mm-hmm. this is real, you know, stuff. Um. So she does have the head of a crocodile and the hindquarters of a hippopotamus. I don't remember any crocodile parts. Do you? Did not see a crocodile there. Not one bit. Um. But I mean, they could obviously tweak it whatever they want for the show. Um. I'm looking at a still right here. It does just look like a. A goddess hippo. It's all kind of looks like. Um, that's a great theory, Ty. And I think you're actually on the right track. You know, we always try to predict where these shows are going to go. Um, and I've been reading articles like what it is. I like that prediction that they have succeeded. Ethan Hawke and company have succeeded in freeing Amit. And because they succeeded, like you said, you know, um, Spectre is brought back from the dead or whatever the case is. So it's almost like in the future. So like two weeks in the future, however long it takes them to quote unquote succeed. Um, and maybe this is Amit's way of. She's creating this, like, mental health thing to either, quote-unquote, save Mark Spector. Because, you know, they talked about how broken he was and how uh, Kenoshu or whatever was, you know, taking advantage of him. Or a way to, like, torture him and kind of make him forget, like, make him think that all the stuff that happened before was fake. And that's probably what it is. Like, that's why he was watching the TV show and the guy was the therapist and all the little cues that they intentionally left. Like, 
it was Amit's doing, trying to make Mark Spector think it was all fake when in reality it wasn't. But they're both there. There was two um, Oscar Isaacs. So this mm. is interesting. That is an issue. I don't know how to explain that issue. Yeah, I, I don't. It might. It's probably not even like real world. This might be like some. I don't know. It's Marvel. I mean, they have the fucking TVA. Who knows where that exists? You know, who knows where this exists? But and he's obviously going to come to life somehow. Um, I don't know, man. Yeah. This the is other thing is is Mark finds Steven in a coffin in like one of the hospital rooms, mm-hmm. and they're walking by, and there's another coffin shaking with someone inside screaming. Mm-hmm. Um, a million percent, we get the third version of this, the the Jake Lockley character or whatever next yep. episode, right? Uh, yeah, one of the next two, but most likely next episode. Because they they subtly teased it on three, and then very in your face teased it in four. Like we got to get that, and we're just gonna have three Oscar Isaacs running around for the rest of the series. <laughs> Did you? It, I think it was just a perspective thing, but it looked like Stephen Grant's head was much smaller than Mark Spector's head. Even though it's the exact same guy. <laughs> I, yeah, I got a feeling they have the same size head there, Jay. Um, no, I was actually researching this, though, on Den of Geek. Um, and this is actually a direct adaptation of one of the best, this is, I'm quoting here, one of the best Moon Knight runs, issues number 1 through 14 of the 2016 series by writer Jeff Lemire and artist Greg Smallwood. Um, quote, this is from... Um, the director quote personally our biggest inspiration was the Lemire and Smallwood run directors blah 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 said within the pages you turn the page and start to see them reflect on each other in a Watchmen-esque type of way I've never seen Watchmen um so I'm sure if we research that comic run and everything we might get a little bit of an answer um I scroll down here and it says in the comics the hospital is operated by Dr. Emmett a nurse ratch type who may or may not be someone that we've heard a lot about but not yet seen the goddess Amit so it's Emmett Amit. In the same way that Harrow appears in the hospital as a doctor trying to convince Mark that everything is in his head, Dr. Emmett tells comic book book Mark that he made up Moon Knight as a child. So, again, this is probably they're they're trying to make him think all this is fake. Why he's still alive and not dead, that's, like, the question. You know, um, they're going to have to explain that. But this is interesting, man. This is interesting. Yeah, I'm not sure. I was also surprised that um, he couldn't become Moon Knight anymore. Didn't realize that last episode. Thought like he still had the suit, mm-hmm. so that would have came in handy. Could have stopped him from getting shot. <laughs> so actually, I'm reading here that they think uh, the hippo lady is Tawarit. Um, the hippo who greets slash terrifies Mark and Stephen at the end of the episode is Tawarit, Egyptian goddess of childbirth. She was briefly mentioned in the goldfish problem. I think that's episode one, but we know little about Mm -hmm. her purpose in the story because she's absent, not only from the Lemire and Smallwood comics, but also from the entire Marvel universe. Um, I don't know. So we'll see. This is interesting. On IMDb, there is a a character Tawarit who is cast for episodes four, five, and six. Yeah. So that's probably her. So maybe it's not, maybe that isn't Amit, but Amit is still behind this. Yeah. Amit's still, she getting her god homies together. Amit is cast. Who is it? Do they know? What do you mean? Like the person yeah. playing Amit? Yeah. Sophia Danu. Okay. Don't know who that is. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen anything she's in. But she's cast for episode five and six. Okay. Okay, so we will We're see Amit. Amit. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, do you have anything else on Moon Knight, Ty? I don't. This series has been fantastic, though. Um, I like this little fucking twist. I hope we get a third version of the the character and shout out to the wife actress because she's actually been like fantastic in this series 
Yeah, she's been really good. Um, before we get into everything, everywhere, all at once, though, something I just thought of right now that we didn't touch on beforehand, but we can do it on oh. the fly. Thor: Love and Thunder trailer. We're we're on the same page here, yeah. right? Um, yep. Now, my I watched the new Rockstars like twenty minute breakdown. Um, it's interesting to see how they're gonna do it. I think that what made me think of it because I was talking about the Moon Knight comics and they were doing in the new rock stars. Do you remember that still where there's like the giant monster thing? That's like yes, dead in dude. the snow. That's a, a, an exact copy from the comics. Like exact, like one for one. They added Corgan, but yeah. everything else is identical and it looks fucking awesome. It looks fucking sick. Um, I don't know. I mean, obviously Marvel is the masters of like getting you excited and intrigued without revealing too much. That's why I feel okay watching some of these Marvel trailers. Um, obviously, they reveal Natalie Portman, but that was – I don't even know. Was that confirmed yet? If it wasn't confirmed, confirmed, it was the worst kept secret in Hollywood because everyone knew it was happening. Um, but I'm pretty sure no, it was confirmed. No, it was like – yeah, it was like three or four years ago at a Comic-Con. She came out holding Mjolnir. That's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, it was very much already out there. Um, so that's cool. Um, I'm excited for two reasons. One, seems like there is a – Korg plays a prominent role in this film, which I'm very excited about. Give the people what they want. Um, number yep. two, Fat Thor is gone, and I'm happy because Fat Thor and Cor- – and not Korg. I'm, Fat Thor and Professor Hulk were the two horrible parts of Avengers Endgame, and I'm happy they're getting – hopefully getting rid of both of them with also uh, She-Hulk. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he looked, he looked fucking jacked through most of it. We get a uh, Forrest Gump-esque Thor working out with giant chains. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then um, I don't – this – trailer i'll be honest like didn't get me it doesn't do anything it doesn't give anything away the most you get is that comic book shot of the dead god and you know the main character christian bale is gore the god butcher yep so like i'm assuming that's them finding out like oh shit homie's killing gods i gotta do something about this did you watch the Um, rockstar video i did not no okay did you want to finish your thought before i continue no, no, I'm just, that's like all it really gives us in the Natalie Portman. So it wasn't like a get you excited. Love the music, love the vibe, um, and the visuals. Uh, the visuals look like they're going to be fantastic. They use the Mandalorian, um, like green screen, I think it's called the volume. Oh, okay. Have you heard of this? No, I haven't. <laughs> so essentially they create like a video game world. And like you're in a giant room, and it's this this stage they've built, and all the screens are like fucking 4K TVs, and they set up a thing, and as you walk and as the camera moves, it moves the environment to where it like makes it feel like the actor is actually in this type thing. Um, it's fucking incredible, and it makes incredible looking shots. And the Mandalorians used it. Uh, one other thing's used it. And then this is like the third big thing that they've used this technology. And just from the shots, it looks like it's incredible. No, yeah, it looked fucking great. The coloring, everything looked fantastic. Um, no, their theory about, because you mentioned Gore the God Butcher, you know, he's yeah. his name is pretty self-explanatory. Um, <laughs> they showed the scene of them going and seeing like Zeus and all the uh, Greek gods, what the new Rockstars theory is. And it's totally in line with what Marvel does is that they're going to go to this planet, whatever it is. Um, Olympus is what it is like in the actual, you know, Greek mythology. And Gore is going to show up and just like murder all the Greek gods. And that's when Thor is going to realize like, oh, fuck, this guy's a problem kind of deal. Like, so it's going to be like, oh, we get Zeus and all these like cool guys. And then, you know, Christian Bale is going to show up and just fucking kill them all. <laughs> that's going to be fucking awesome. I love that. I hope that's the case. I do too. I, I do. Because I mean, I love Greek mythology, but like 
I don't know, when you have Thor and then you have the Greek mythology who's also supposed to be like, I don't know. I feel like Zeus would be better than Thor in theory. So if you just kill him real quick, boom, there you go. You're also you're fucking around with Egyptian mythology right now in your Disney Disney Plus show if you're Marvel. Does Gore the God Butcher show up in episode six? Does he kill Amit? <laughs> oh, Amit is a god. There is a god butcher. Um, and there, I, would be, I would be blown away if these two shows tie together. <laughs> these two be, things. <laughs> I mean, Thor Love and Thunder is looks very much like a Marvel property. And this, you know, and Moon Knight looks very much, has been very much not like, you know, a Marvel property. In a good way. In a good way. Um, yeah, for sure. I don't know, man. It's going to be interesting, though. It's, you know, I don't know much about Gore. I know that New Rockstars proposed the idea that maybe he came from one of the the celestial planets that exploded and he was like a lone survivor and that's why he got like a a vendetta against gods um and that's why he okay. wants to potentially kill you know not only all the gods but all the celestials or whatever as well and maybe he also wants to kill peter quill and that's what how the guardians are somehow tied into this um i don't know it, this will be interesting yeah i'm 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 excited for it because i feel like the story has a lot of potential to be good like a retired Thor coming out of retirement to just be a badass. Um, <laughs> and then you get the Guardians. It's Taika, Taika having his hands on the Guardians and Thor and all this shit. It's just, it's going to be so much fun. It's going to be fantastic. Oh, there's also speculation that uh, Beta Ray Bill will be in this movie, um, which I feel like, I feel like it'll happen. I don't know. But uh, the main reason, and this is very small, but there was this scene of Korg and Thor um, it was like panning out, like them looking up yep. at something, and it looked like it was framed for three people because it was kind of like Thor in the middle, Korg on one side, and there was kind of like empty space on the left, like the way it was framed, like it was supposed to be three people. Obviously, they've removed shit from trailers before, so I wouldn't be totally shocked whether it's Beta Ray Bill or whether whether it is Natalie Portman. They just wanted to save that for later, which I don't know why they would do that, but be I feel, weird. I feel like someone is in that scene based on how they framed it because it was like. I don't know, very weirdly framed for two people. Yeah, I. who knows? But it seems like there's definitely someone else there. Maybe Loki. Maybe we get some fucking Loki again. I don't know. We got Loki season two. I feel like that's going to play out before he ever gets back in the MCU somehow. I think you're probably right, but you never know. He's been in every Thor movie, Jay. <laughs> True. Now, do you think Natalie Portman, do you think this is multiverse Natalie Portman, or do you think this is like, something happened with the infinity stones and that caused her to get because in the comics like something happens and she gets the freaking whatever whatever like do you think this is multiverse natalie portman pretty much is just my question um, no in the comics i think she gets cancer and mm-hmm. then like while she's battling cancer milner comes to her and like she becomes the mighty thor and that like helps her from dying from cancer yeah um one little feature with this is like the milner she has is cracked like yep. it's cracked and looks like it's fucking glued back together, which makes me feel like that is the Mjolnir from, you know, Ragnarok that gets shattered on Earth mm-hmm. and somehow gets put back together and seeks out Jane Foster. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Just, just the cracks. It's not It's not a perfect shiny new Mjolnir from a different universe. That's the fucked up one. No, for sure. For sure. Yeah, and I think I'd prefer if they do it this way. I mean, obviously, it's very easy to just say multiverse and it's just literally thor as a girl and it just so happens to be natalie portman but no this probably makes the most sense um that way we don't have to get another love story where someone's just falling in love with the, the themselves um different gender which was great good for good for loki um 
I don't know. I'm excited, though. I mean, we still got Doctor Strange. That's in fucking only two weeks' time. I'm super stoked for that. I'm sure we'll probably get the, the second Thor trailer, um, second post-credit scene of Doctor Strange. I'm surprised they didn't save it. I thought maybe this was going to be their new thing. They are just going to totally back to the future three it and just do trailers at the end of all their new movies. But I'm not complaining that they released it earlier than I thought. Yeah, I I don't know. I kind of like the end of movies being a tease for the next movie like related in the storyline too though i don't necessarily love just the trailer well that's why you get one in one ty okay but i want two is what i'm saying <laughs> okay so we get two and then a trailer how about that yeah just give me a trailer separate <laughs> um you ready to get into everything everywhere all at once ty do you have a synopsis uh sure do jay um i fucking clicked off of it i do this every time <laughs> <clears throat> An aging Chinese immigrant is swept up in an insane adventure where she alone can save the world by exploring other universes connecting with the lives she could have led. It's pretty short, but it seems like it gets the point across. Yep. Um, Quite the uh, mouthful of a name, I will say that. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Maybe that's my one complaint about it. Um, As mentioned, A24 film, A24 is a, you know, pretty renowned, would you consider them an indie studio? Yeah, yeah, I think so. They got to be the biggest indie studio, though, right? Yeah, but they keep that vibe to them, you know. They're like the New York Yankees of indie studios. Yeah, so they're yeah. they're the best AAA team. They're the AAA team that's worth like a hundred million or whatever. It's worth more than ten MLB teams. <laughs> <laughs> worth more than the Kansas City Royals. Um, yeah, it's actually I didn't realize that um, Moonlight was an A twenty four film. Ty, did you know that? Yeah, they usually do like a lot of smaller movies and like, you know, have like $2 million budget, make 10 on it type thing, and then turn around and make huge movies for the Oscars. Okay. Okay. I don't see it on the list of, for some reason, I don't see it on their, their Wikipedia list. Um, I don't know why. Maybe it did it. I don't know. It's not on there. It doesn't matter. Um, it was also produced by, let me get this right, uh, two producers, the Russo Bros. Did you know this? Really? Yeah, they are uh, Joe Russo, Anthony Russo, the first two producers on this film. So um, there's that for you. That's pretty sick. Um, Yeah, I didn't know anything about this film going into it. Riley had told me about it. She showed me the trailer. The trailer, you know, didn't really blow me away. I was like, oh, that looks interesting, but wasn't something I was clamoring for. I was in Denver, went on a little weekend trip two weeks ago. She wanted to go see it. It was showing at the movie theater that was a walking distance from us. So we went and saw it. And... You know, I have a, a reputation of maybe liking movies a little bit too much when I'm on vacation. Um, Stuber is a good example of that. Um, <laughs> I also watched Mitchell's vs. the Machines last year in Chicago. I said that was my favorite anim- animated movie of the year. May- I actually said all of all time. Um, you did. You did say that. And look, my bias might be coming in here. My vacation bias with this film tie. But at the same time, it's got a 97% on Rod Tomatoes. It's got a 92 audience score. I just I'm seeing people talk about it on Twitter. Um, someone, uh, the creator of Phineas and Ferb. I know that's a weird person to cite, but his like little <laughs> YouTube shorts always come up on YouTube. He said it was the the he brought up movies like the first Star Wars or the second one, whatever one, and Jaws, and he's like movies that like you love to go to the theaters to, and he's like this is the first movie in a long time. Which I was like, okay, well all the Marvel movies, you must not just be a Marvel guy. Um, man, it was. <sighs> I just I, I loved it. Spoiler alert for my score. I loved everything about this film, Ty. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. Don't get me wrong. This movie was fantastic. Um, it oh that's where I, 
Sorry, I'm just going through the cast here. The the husband was the small Asian child in the Indiana Jones films. Oh, okay. <laughs> didn't I know didn't that. know that. I've seen him on like the like TikTok and shit. Didn't know that. Also, the grandpa voices the uh, the goose dad in Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Nice. I just the moms and crazy rich Asians. Um, stacked cast for like foreign films it seems like and this is not a for, i don't think it's a foreign film tie no, no no but i'm saying like i feel like all of them have very successful like asian careers oh for sure for sure um i i was gonna oh fun fact about this movie tie it was actually originally um developed the concept of it was developed with uh jackie chan in the lead it was designed with jackie chan to be the lead actor and um the script was originally written for him but then the two directors changed their mind and reconceived the role as a woman, feeling it would make the husband-wife dynamic in the story more relatable. That is directly from Wikipedia, but I researched this beforehand. Um, there was something else. Oh, Aquafina was also supposed to originally... She was originally cast in this, actually. Um, but she exited the project due to scheduling conflicts in January 2020. Um, and in her place stepped up... What was it? Uh, Stephanie Sue? I don't I don't want to mispronounce her name. It's H-S-U. Her daughter? Yeah, um, which I will say, I right. she did fantastic. Um, she was also in Shang Chi. She played uh the when they were on a date talking to their friends. She was the female partner, like in that short little bit of scene. It's like at the beginning of the movie and the end of the movie. Um, okay, yeah. I will say though, I'm I, I love Aquafina. This was a great change because she was probably my favorite part of this movie. Yeah, I I don't know if I would have liked it as much with Aquafina in this role. I think you're right. I know, I know, I'm right. Should we get into the patent pending scale tie? I'm giving, a, I'm giving away too much. <laughs> let's let's talk about it. Let's get into it. All right, plot slash story. So it is a multiverse film. It is about you know this Asian mom. She's kind of in the rut of life. You know, working nine to five, well, like pretty much her whole life, running a laundromat, audited by the IRS. She's you know at the IRS place, and you know she gets uh, her husband, her multi-dimensional husband, comes to her and is like, hey. We have this person fucking everything up. She's, you know, the multiverse is real. She's going to every pretty much universe and, like, killing you, blah, blah, blah. She wants to destroy everything, all this stuff. So then she gets into this multiversal war with the character who turns out to be her daughter. And that daughter comes from, you know, a different universe where, you know, the Michelle character um, tested on her and everything, you know. Because every multiverse, it's like one little change, you know, creates a drastically different person. And they really play on that. And then it's just, you know, you see it bounce from universe to universe, and it's kind of like this this battle. I don't want to say battle, but kind of like this unique mother-daughter, you know, kind of similar to, like, Turning Red and these other Disney movies we've seen, kind of this generational trauma type of story. Like, you know, <laughs> mother's too hard on the daughter, all this stuff. And, like, um, you know, kind of an interesting take on that and the whole the multiverse as a whole and everything and kind of, you know, Michelle's character is like, they literally said the worst version of her. Like she's only made mistakes in her life. And that's why she was the perfect candidate because every little thing she does, she could, you know, hone in on these different people in the multiverse. Um, look, man, multiverse can be very confusing. Um, Spider-Man no way home. I thought did a decent job, but still left some like interesting, like questions into the Spider-Verse. I mean, we've kind of only seen it with comic books. This is interesting timing too with this movie coming out with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness and Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah. um, look, I thought they executed it nicely. Maybe six years ago when the multiverse isn't like a popular thing in movies that they talk about, even the Flash movie coming out soon. Um, maybe it yep. wouldn't have been 
understood as much per se, but either way, I thought they did a fantastic job. I thought the, the family story of the, the underlying story of it all also helped drive it. I gave it an 18 out of 20 tie. Mm. Yeah. I gave it a 17. Um, I, I think the way that they use the quote unquote alpha verse to kind of tie down all the other universes and everything um, works really well. I think it starts off a little slow and you kind of got to wait for it to get going, get going. And then once it gets going, it's just nonstop. So much fun. Um, the pacing's really, really good through the second and third act. I think, like you said, the multiverse stuff works, the family dynamic and the emotion works. Um, overall, it's just very, very well put together and paced and, um, a, a very unique story too. Like, I, I can't think of anything like it to compare it to even. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, the way it ends as well. Sorry, I was reading something. Um, the way it ends, it's like, it, they kind of give you like the happy ending, but it's not a traditional happy ending. So we talked about this before the pod made sure we ironed out this ending and it is correct. I'm, I was reading it right now. You know, it, it has a happy ending, but it doesn't because, you know, the whole thing that corrupts her daughter, who they call a uh, Jobu Tupaki, that's like the bad version of her. Um, what corrupts her is because they were test, you know, the, the mom was testing the multiverse and it fried her brain. And then she was able to see every universe all at once. And that just overwhelmed her and, you know, everything. And so she creates this bagel, <laughs> which, you know, is a funny kind of just, it's a fucking bagel with everything and every universe on it. And then when you look at it, you know, it kind of corrupts your mind as well and, and shatters your mind and the mom that happens too. And then the end, you know, it doesn't, you have like the, the resolution between daughter and mother. They resolve that part of it, that part of the storyline. But then they also have the whole multiverse thing. Like the mom is still experiencing all the universes at once. And she has the line before the ending where it's like, you know, she said, I, I will choose to cherish the moments I actually can experience, you know, cause she's going to be experiencing everything at once. And then the last scene of the movie is her just kissing her husband while he goes to the bathroom, which is something he wanted earlier in the movie. And then her just kind of pausing and taking a breath. And then it just kind of ends. And it's just like, I don't know. I thought it's just, this movie felt very smart. Like there's movies where like detective movies where we always say, or like death on the Nile where they leave things throughout the movie. And it's like <laughs> obvious. And like, this yeah. isn't like that, but everything in this movie is thought of, you know, that every, nothing is wasted. And I feel like it was just a very well thought out movie. Yeah. It's super well crafted. The attention to details there. Um, and it's just got a very strong through line that plays out nicely. Which, again, I agree. It's a very smart movie. But but it's not, like, too smart either, where it's, like, you know, like, they're trying too complex of themes, and you have to, like, really think about it. I mean, I could see some people getting a little bit confused, but, like, it's not something like, well, I didn't think Inception was honestly that hard to follow, but some people do. It's not, I don't see anyone having that kind of complaint with this film either. You know, it kind of hits that balance, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I, I think it's a very smart and well-crafted movie. While also, like, not trying to do too much. I mean, for fuck's sake, there's a fight sequence where a guy is trying to get a butt plug up his ass. <laughs> not trying. He successfully does. <laughs> he does, but, um, like, it, it doesn't go over the top, like, look how smart we are. It's just, like, a very, very well-crafted. They had a vision and knew exactly what they wanted this to be. There wasn't just a butt plug, tie. There was also the dildo that she's... I think she killed the police officer with the dildo, if I remember correctly. He did. Well, the one guy just had a regular trophy shoved up his ass. <laughs> like the one guy had the butt plug trophy. The other guy was just a regular trophy. Oh, man. That's fucking hilarious. Um, 
visuals, <laughs> cinematography ties. So this is a relatively low. I, I don't want to say low budget. I mean, it was still, I think, $25 million was the budget. Like, that's a pretty big budget for an indie film. But, you know, not as big as, obviously, like these other movies we usually review. Um, actually, most of the filming was filmed in a, um, like, an IRS building in Simi Valley, I want to say. The movie is set in the city of okay. Simi Valley. Yeah, with the ma- majority of the movie taking place in the IRS building of that city. It was something where, like... 80% of the movie, you know, of that IRS built, like it was an actual old IRS building or whatever it was that they just filmed in, um, you know, very grounded in that regard. But that being said, the way they handled the multiverse, there wasn't like fantastic CGI. They did use some CGI. Obviously you kind of have to with the multiverse. Um, I thought it was all fine, but I don't know the way they, the fight sequences and the, the score, you know, all the, the music in this film and you know, the way they kind of like would, have that glass splitting scene where it would like split and there'd be like four of her at once on one screen. And the way they used like hectic cuts when she was kind of experiencing all these universes at once, you know, like boom, 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 like all this stuff. Like it necessarily wasn't a super like, Oh my God, look at that CGI. Oh my God, look at that dead God, you know, at the Thor trailer kind of deal. But it was more like, again, kind of just like smart crafty filmmaking. And Again, maybe I'm being biased because I was on vacation, but I gave this a uh, – let me go back. I lost it. I gave this a 19, Ty. Mm. I don't think you're being biased one bit, Jay, because I gave it the full 20. Oh, okay. Make me feel good. <laughs> uh, everything about it, it's just fucking awesome to watch. The way that the fight scenes and shit when it like is getting serious, like they add in the top and bottom black bars to make it feel like a you know like an old-school fight scene. And um, the way when she is with – the her daughter and they go to like the bagel thing and it's all white and the way that looks the the quick jumps between all the different multiversal like things and everything is so fucking cool and looks so good um the action scene when the daughter shows up and is just doing a bunch of random shit and, like costume changes and everything with like a snap of a finger that yeah that's everything yeah. yeah dude it's just non-stop everything looks so good the, the way that like early in the movie where the mom and daughter are talking and the camera shows the security footage and you see the dad jumping around the fucking laundromat being the multiversal version of the dad and then going back like it's so subtle and tiny and it just works so fucking good everything looks so good in this movie i'm glad you brought up that one scene because i didn't even think about it um the scene where we first kind of see um jobu whatever her name is um yeah jobu tupaki and we see her just kind of like you know obviously walk through security a barricade and then she goes up the elevator and it's that that hallway scene where it's like the lights are going crazy and it's like you know she's a clown and then she's this and then she's that and like that's like the mysterio scene in spider-man no way home and uh far from home excuse me that we've talked about you know before <laughs> like that scene was so badass and the way they did it like nothing looked fake nothing looked you know out of the ordinary obviously it was out of the ordinary but i don't know it was just it was a joy to watch yeah no for sure they they it was just the attention to detail and how well-crafted it was. And there was nothing where, I mean, I, I say there's nothing where they like kind of just phoned it in. I did very much enjoy hot dog fingers. Um, <laughs> that seemed ridiculous and very, very practical, low budget type thing, but I enjoyed the fuck out of it. So that doesn't take away nothing for me. <laughs> um, I it just, every single thing and the multiversal effects and the way they handled it, it all looks so good. So good. Hot dog fingers. Um, what'd you think of, <laughs> I mean, this isn't really visual cinematography, but since you brought up hot dog fingers, what'd you think of uh, the Rakakuni? Did that get a yeah. chuckle out of you? Um, 
I fucking loved that. That was that hit us person on a personal level, Riley and I, because obviously she loves Ratatouille. But my father, I'm not sure if you wear this tie, loves raccoons. Like wants to domesticate a raccoon. Um and they always yeah? beef Yeah, yeah. Um he goes raccoon hunting when he's at the trailer and will bring them snacks and let them eat food out of his hands and stuff. Um but they have diseases. Does he know that? I he doesn't care, I guess. <laughs> no, but he always talks shit about Ratatouille to Riley just to be funny. He's never seen it. And she talks shit about raccoons to him. So, like, them combining it. I know when my dad eventually watches this movie, he's going to laugh so fucking hard. And I'm so excited for that. I, I want to rewatch this movie again with him just so I can see his initial reactions for Raccoonie because he's going to fucking love it. <laughs> Raccoonie was fantastic. And it was very much a puppet. Again, not taking points away. Very intentional. Looked <laughs> ridiculous and i loved every second of it <laughs> well they made him talk too he was like talking to the guy telling him to save him or whatever um yeah <laughs> it was just it was fucking funny because they make the joke because she says you know mistakenly says raccoon instead of ratatouille and then goes through universe with fucking raccoon um just so funny and you know speaking of funny key elements you know we're looking at sci-fi we're looking at comedy we're looking at some of the action scenes and we're looking at the emotional parts you know because at the end of the day in all this comedy sci-fi and everything it is kind of, like I said, that's that family story and everything, kind of the pressure of mo- mother and daughter and everything and how they took that spin on it. It was a really unique spin. I think I'm a sucker for these kind of movies. I mean, I love Mitchell's versus the Machines, and it's kind of like a very similar idea almost where it's like father, you know, and the pressure's on his daughter, and then the movie's told in a unique way through the daughter's filmmaking sense and animation. This is mother and daughter, and it's told in a very unique way through the multiverse and all the shit that comes with that. I gave it a 20, mm-hmm. Ty. I gave it a full 20 out of 20. No, we flipped. I gave it a 19. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I was in the tiniest theater ever. I think there's 20 seats total in that fucking movie theater. And there was maybe 10 other people besides me there. Everyone was just laughing throughout. And it made it so enjoyable because it was like such a small amount of people. And we were all just having a fucking blast watching this movie. Yeah. Um, it's very funny. The action is actually really like done well yeah and looks fantastic for this kind of movie where you wouldn't expect it to have this incredible action sequences Mm -hmm. um the sci-fi stuff works the emotion works but uh, overall it's just done really really well yeah it's i i think i again i'm bringing up another movie i love with mitchell's versus machines but like my favorite movies are the movies that you know besides marvel movies because infinity war is my you know, number one movie of all time. Anchorman's up there as well, but it's movies that make me emotional. Um, well, there's, there's different things. You could be a really good movie like Django and Wolf of Wall Street. I think it's just a really, really well-made movie, not necessarily making me cry and laugh, but like if a movie can make me cry and emotional, but can also make me laugh my ass off in the same film, like it's just going to always get a high score, man, every single time. And that's what this film does. Um, that's what a film like Jojo Rabbit does, you know, and that's what, you know, makes yeah. that such a great movie. Um, this is just it was it was fantastic, man. I think they they had their vision for this film and I think they ex- executed it damn near perfectly. You know, I, I would agree. I, I gave it a 19. I think they did damn near perfectly. Not perfectly, though. That's 20 <laughs> characters. Ty, what did you give for characters? Give me your uh, thought process first. So for me, for characters. You really get the big three and then the one kind of villain chick uh, with the IRS lady. Mm -hmm. But it's mostly the mom-daughter and then a little bit of the husband, a little bit of the IRS. Um, The mom in her role... Oh, it's grandpa, too. 
Yeah. Either way, everyone in their role was very good. I feel like I, I think the the dad in his kind of like the weak normal you know original universe and then the alpha verse version of him flipping it back and forth was kind of fun to watch um kind of moon knight vibes there with the two different personalities (laughs) in one body um the the mom was fantastic and i I would agree i think the daughter is the best part of the movie i think she gives a wonderful performance she's very good in the serious moments um it, it works really well in the way she acts everything out kind of creates the the emotional stuff and everything I gave it a 17. I, I think everyone did a really, really good job in this. Yeah, I think you know the casting for this was phenomenal, even if though even though they originally casted Aquafina. Um, look, I love Aquafina. I think she's fan- she was fantastic in Shang Chi. She's great in pretty much everything she's in. I, I do think, like we said earlier, I don't know if I would have liked it as much with her in this role because you know just based on how I'm not saying she doesn't have range, but based on her roles before, you know, like. She has more of a comedic element. And I think she could have really hit, you know, the comedic elements of this role, kind of like, you know, killing the dude with a dildo and everything like that. But what made the daughter so, and I don't want to say Aquafina can't do this, but what made the daughter so compelling as a character and someone I really loved was the performance that is, is A, you know, the emotional stuff, like you said, hits the head on the nail, you know, perfectly. But B, she was so charismatic. Like the way, like that, that scene where she's strutting down the hallway, killing all the guys with all this stuff and like, she, when she was the, the regular daughter, she was like, you know, played that role great. But then when she was, you know, uh, Jobu, whatever, um, mm-hmm. Jobu Tupaki, Tupaki, I've looked this up four times. Um, there was like a, a, there was a charisma there, like a swagger. I don't even know how to describe it. Like, it didn't even feel like an acting performance. Like, if I don't know. It just like, it blurred those lines for me. And I thought she did a fantastic job. I thought the mom, Michelle Yao, you, I don't know. I'm horrible pronunciations. I apologize. I thought she was fantastic as well. Um, the dad was great. You know, he was the, the great, um, comedic relief sort of sense, but also kind of the emotion behind him. And he's kind of, you know, kind of like turning red, kind of the, the happy, nice parent, whatever. Um, the grandpa was good in his role. I think his role was limited, obviously, in like the regular universe. In the alpha verse, he kind of had more of a role. I just thought everyone kind of mm-hmm. checked their box where they needed to, and it was led by a a best supporting actress nominee in um, Miss oh. Stephanie Sue. So uh, I gave it a seventeen, though. Um, not up there with like the the Will Smith, you know, King Richards of the worlds in the eighteen, nineteen, twenty range, but seventeen as well. Yeah, no, I, and I think uh, you kind of you touched on it there. It's she radiated confidence Mm -hmm. like you it felt like someone who knew everything that was happening like it just you got that from the way everything she did her body language her her the way she spoke and everything i i think that was kind of what you're going at there and and my point on it is like there's just confidence and it works so well compared to the other versions of her character yeah yeah um one thing one thing we didn't touch on yet and i just want to jump back to it the uh the rock scene. Okay. Where they're at the Grand Canyon and they're just rocks with the title cards. Yeah. Or with like subtitles. Fucking love that. <laughs> fucking love that. Why'd you love that? <laughs> I don't know. It was just so out of the blue and weird and random and I fucking loved every second of it. That's what made this movie so great, man. It was so random and weird. And it was just that's exactly what it wanted to be. It was pretty funny. Did you appreciate how the movie was actually broken down into, you know, the the three parts? It was part one, part two, and then the epilogue or whatever you want to call it. Like, and they had actual title cards. Did you appreciate that? Yeah. Are you, are you seriously asking me right now if I appreciated title cards? <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
eat over a goddamn fact. I appreciated the title cards, Jay. I thought about that when I watched this movie, when they showed it. I was like, oh, Ty would like that if he saw this. (laughs) (laughs) I did. I fucking loved it. He got everything. You got everywhere. And then you got all at once. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Enjoyment, Ty. Final category. What did you give it on a scale from 1 to 20? I gave it a... I'm undecided on this score. We're going to rock with a 17. Okay. 17 out of 20. I really enjoyed it. I feel like it was a lot of fun to watch. It was a bit long, uh, being that I did kind of doze off at, at a slight, you know, two-minute power nap. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bit long and a bit slow to get started. But overall, everything in the middle was just so, so much fun. It's just a blast to watch. I feel like it's a movie where a lot, a lot of different age groups and everything can enjoy it. Um, it it was well-crafted, but also didn't take itself too seriously. You got hot dog fingers. You got <laughs> beating people to, sh- you know, death with dildos. Um, Rakakui, <laughs> whatever the fuck. It was just, it was a lot of fun, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, you know, it's two hours and 19 minutes long. Some may say you could cut out 15 minutes of this movie. It was slow. I'm not going to disagree with you there. In the beginning, um, took a little bit to get going. But I think that was important to kind of have that slow beginning and kind of almost establish this baseline, quote-unquote, boring reality that she lived in, not only for, you know, when you're comparing it to the multiverse, but, like, kind of to develop the character as a whole so you can kind of understand it more. And it was so goddamn fun after it started picking up that I can get past that slow point. If I rewatch this film, which I will, um, and that's, you know, that will tell you my enjoyment score right there. Um, maybe I, I skipped the first 15 minutes. Probably not. But, like, you know, it's it just it picks up, and it, I think it makes up for it. Look, Ty, again, vacation bias. Enjoyment is obviously the, the biggest part of that. I'm looking at this movie, and I, I haven't – obviously, also, there's recency bias as well. And, like, I can't, I'm not going to go through every single movie I've ever seen. I feel like this movie is, like, top 15 all time for me. I really enjoyed this film. <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe top 20. I don't know. It was an enjoyable watch while also being like a, a really well-made movie, you know, like I fucking love Anchorman to death, but it's not, I mean, you could say it's well-made from like a, a comedy standpoint, kind of being a trailblazer in that genre. That's fine. But it's not, it doesn't have the smarts of like a movie like this, you know, it's kind of like the enjoyment of, it's like the, the well, the great filmmaking of a movie like Wolf of Wall Street and Django and those kind of movies, 1917, obviously different genres, but like, those filmmaking is what drove those with fun and emotion and everything. I gave it a 19. I didn't give it the full 20. I still reserve the 20 for like my top, my Mount Rushmore of all time. I still think I enjoyed Spider-Man No Way Home, you know, slightly more. And that's just because I love slop and I love fan service. 19 though, it's like a 19.5, 19.49, almost rounded up to 20, but it's staying at a 19. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm, I don't... I... I can't argue that though. Cause this movie's so much fun throughout. Like it is slow to get going and everything, but it's just a fucking blast, man. It's so much fun. Um, now question for you. Did I get my score? I didn't get my score first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the mom was, I think she's killed. She's stabbed. Something happens. Someone dies and you get the, the end, the title card. Um, and it kind of stays on the screen for a little while there. Did yeah. you think that was the end of the movie? No, no, because I knew the movie was two hours and 19 minutes. I looked it up beforehand. Three people left my theater. Are you serious? 
I swear to God. And it was the tiniest theater ever. So it was like a stand up and you can walk out instantly without having a second like chance to like realize on your way out. Three people left the theater. Did they come back? One did. <laughs> that sucks. So those people walked out of that mo- watching. What what part of the movie did it happen again? It happened in between it's part like one and part two, right? I I think it's, yeah, I think. She's like at the stairs and like she gets stabbed or shot or some shit. I don't even remember. And it just cuts to the end and then it like zooms out and you're with the, you know, A-lister version of herself at the movies watching a movie. Three people walked out, only one returned. Two people thought that was the entire film. No, yeah, that's it because she gets killed. It's like the original, uh, original universe, Evelyn. She gets killed, you know, but then it cuts to another pretty much you know another universe where she decided to go home and do her taxes or whatever because she her mind had already got split or whatever so she could see everything or whatever so whatever it, like the story was behind it um man that sucks they didn't get to watch the the whole thing <laughs> yeah they probably went home like that movie shit i don't understand why everyone likes it <laughs> i couldn't believe it i couldn't believe it when they like started walking i was like they don't really think this is over, right? And they, they, they walked out. And I just looked to the people to the right of me, and they looked at me, and we just started laughing. Like, are you fucking kidding me? That's funny. Wow. That sucks. This movie was a blast. This movie was a blast, and I feel bad for those people. Is my moral my story. is because, Jay, I gave this a 90 out of 100. Ty, everything, everywhere, all at once. It almost got one point higher. I almost gave it 18 for characters, but I didn't. Could have got a 20 for enjoyment, but it didn't. This movie is tied for tied with two other films for the second highest score I've ever given out on within the lines at a 93 three out of 100 damn tied with Wolf of Wall Street and Anchorman 93 incredible for a final score of 91 and a half putting it in our top 10 uh it's eight eighth out of 130 movies reviewed um same score as Anchorman um, slightly better than Hamilton, slightly better than Shang Chi, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. little lower than than Wally and Inception overall. Mm-hmm. Um, but damn, that's a fantastic movie, and a movie that came out of nowhere. Like I didn't really, I didn't really for us at least, I didn't really know about this film until Riley showed me. You didn't know about it until I don't think. Well, you said you've heard great things, but we didn't talk about reviewing it on the pod until I watched it and said, "Ty, you have to watch this fucking movie." Um. This is a movie, like you said, anyone can watch it. I'm going to recommend it to anyone. Once it's out on streaming, whatever streaming service it's on, when someone asks me, it's most of my parents, hey, we need a movie to watch. What should we watch? This is going to be the answer, I think, every time, you know, moving for the next six months, really. Yeah, I I don't think you can go wrong recommending this movie. I just, I just don't think you can. I think it's fucking hilarious, and it's also got good action. It's also like a fun sci-fi, and it's also got emotion. I think everyone is going to enjoy watching this movie, and that's part of the reason why the Rotten Tomatoes score is so high. Now, my question for you, Ty, is can a movie like this win an Oscar, do you think? Uh, I think the biggest thing that's holding this movie back from winning an Oscar is the fact that it's already out. Yeah, that's because it's weird release. That's like kind of why I asked. Like, if you think this can win an Oscar and you're A24, why is this not coming out until December? You know what I mean? Or January? Whatever yeah, I, I, I just it's going to have to sit for so long on the back burner while other stuff comes out ahead of it. And that's going to be that's going to be tough on it for when it comes to Oscar season. 
Look, all I know is if this movie came out in 2020 when fucking Nomadland won, this would wipe the fucking waters with it. <laughs> You're probably not wrong. I I think it's fantastic. I 100% agree that the uh, Stephanie So Sue should get a nomination. Mm-hmm. Um, shit, I think maybe Michelle Yeoh should get a nomination too. They were fantastic. This is very good. I think uh, I've got to imagine this is original, best original screenplay should be in the conversation mm-hmm. and probably like best directing best movie. Like it, it really should be up there and all of those. We'll just see how it stands the test of time. So here's a, uh, this is a, from Wikipedia production development and writing co-directors, Daniel Shiner and Daniel Kwan Two Daniels. Um, as a middle name, wow. Daniel, I'm sure you appreciate that. Um, <laughs> they started researching the concept of the multiverse in 2010 after being exposed to the concept of modal realism in the 18, 1986 film Sherman's March. Quan described the release of the 2018 film Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which also features a multiverse concept, as, quote, a little upsetting because we were like, oh, shit, everyone's going to beat us to this thing that we have been working on. He also stated that watching the second season of Rick and Morty was very, was very painful, was really painful. I was like, quote, they've already done all the ideas we thought were original. It was a really frustrating experience, so I stopped watching Rick and Morty while we were writing this project. So this is something they've, you know, kind of had in the memory bank, and they took their time with it. Um, they got beaten to the punch with the multiverse stuff, and now it's, like, very popular. But, man, it's fantastic. Maybe that, works to their, maybe that works to their benefit, though. Like, this is the multiverse kind of goldmine, and they're just, they're just one of the fucking big ones in it. Yeah. Yeah. Very well. Very well could. Um Fantastic movie. I hope it gets Oscar buzz. I really do. I mean, that's a long time from now. I liked it more than probably half of the Oscar movie. I mean, I literally ranked it higher than any of the Oscar movies from this past year. Um, <laughs> but definitively liked it more than at least like three quarters of them, at least the ones I saw. I mean, the only one I'd put in that same tier was Coda, which I gave six points lower. I, that's kind of in the same tier. Um, recommend everyone go watch it. Next week, we're reviewing another highly anticipated film, uh, The Unbearable Weight of massive talent the nicholas cage would i thought it was a biopic it's not a biopic it's nicholas cage playing nicholas cage in like an action movie um 93 yeah. on rotten tomatoes with 87 Fuck reviews yeah. um that blows me away i thought this movie was going to be so bad it's good kind of movie law-abiding citizen-esque and no it might just actually be good <laughs> yeah it's just gonna be a fucking incredible film we're gonna have nick cage who we love playing nick cage also with Pedro Pascal in there. Like, that's just a great one-two punch. I, I cannot wait. I physically cannot wait. I am so excited for this movie. I may be just as... I, I think I was just as, as excited for this as I have been for Doctor Strange. Okay, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> it's been up there, man. I've been wanting this movie for so long. And, like, seeing it get good scores, I can't fucking wait to watch this. I want to... I'm trying to look the production. Um, Oh, he plays a fictionalized version of himself who, who he said bears little resemblance to his real off-screen personality. Cage originally turned down the role three or four times but changed his mind after writer-director Tom Gormican wrote him a personal letter. So, can you, can you imagine being the guy writing this movie and you just write a whole movie about Nick Cage playing Nick Cage and then Nick Cage says no? <laughs> like, you can't recast or do anything. Like, that's just a wasted fucking script now. <laughs> I love the the poster that says Nicolas Cage is Nick Cage. It's like that's the difference. The actor's Nicolas yeah. Cage. The guy in this movie is Nick Cage. Fuck yeah. 
I'm excited. And then obviously we have Doctor Strange into the Multiverse of Madness. Um, two weeks after that, uh, we have an in-between week. Um, still ironing out that schedule there. Random Rotten Tomato movie score tie. Obviously, it always ties in. It's not completely random. But I feel like this one is a little bit more random than normal. So I was thinking of everything everywhere all at once. I was thinking about the bagel. You know, the everything bagel, quite literally. Ty, yep. where are bagels most prominent in the United States of America? Can you tell me that? New York. Okay, and what is the most iconic movie of all time about New York City? Is there a 9-11 movie? The Secret Life of Pets. Oh. 2016 <laughs> animation, hour and a half film, um, has 237 reviews. Oh. I will say, I've seen both of these in theaters, both number one and number two. Secret Life of Pets 2 is the weirdest movie I've ever seen in theaters. That has nothing to do with this one. It's just a weird fucking movie. Secret Life of Pets 1, though, Ty. I've seen I've seen one. I've never seen two. It's the weirdest movie ever. It feels like I don't it feels like an hour like it feels like it's only like forty five minutes long somehow. It just and there like almost wasn't like a story somehow. It just felt like a like a like a TV episode. You know what I mean? Like an episode of a TV show that they drug out to an hour and a half. That's weird. They were just trying to make their money, I'll be honest. This is the one with Kevin Hart? Yes, it's the bunny. Who else is in it? Um, Secret Life of Pets 2, by the way, only an hour, 26 minute runtime. Um, it also has the likes of Louis CK who plays Max. Oh, that's problematic. (laughs) Maybe that's why they didn't make a third. Um, Eric Stone Street who plays Cameron from Modern Family. He plays Duke. We have Ellie Kemper who plays Katie. I believe Ellie Kemper. Is she from the office? Am I right about that? Is that the girl from the office? Sounds right. She's a blonde girl. No, the the redhead. Oh, yeah. The girl Aaron. from Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, too. Uh, maybe. I don't know. I've never seen that movie. So it's got some names. I don't know if it's the same person. It's got some names. Oh, I remember this movie being good, but again, it's not going to be like an Oscar buzz Han- type Hannibal movie. Hannibal Burris, also in this. Hannibal Burris. I appreciate Hannibal Burris. We're going to rock with 74%. I thought you were going to get it, Ty. 72. I thought you oh, had it. No. <laughs> I heard 70, and I was like, oh, man, he's got this. Oh, no. I was so close. It's been a while since you were that close, Ty. 72% on Rotten Tomatoes, 62% audience score, which is kind of weird. The critics like the children's movie more than the children themselves. <laughs> well, the children aren't leaving the reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, so maybe it was just a bunch of upset parents. That's fair. Yeah, parents are like, this is fucking stupid. The second one, having a blast. second one got a 60 and a 90 audience. And like I said, it's the weirdest movie I've ever watched. So I don't get that, but whatever. They figured out what the kids wanted and they said, fuck the critics. <laughs> oh, they actually, so uh, Louis C.K. got uh, axed for the second one. Patton Oswald voiced Max in the second one. There we go. Patton Oswald, just a good guy. Yeah. Also the voice of Remy. Um, Ty, that's all I got for you. Everyone listening, if you got to this point in the pod and haven't seen everything everywhere all at once yet, Please let this review convince you to see it. Um, it's my favorite movie of the year so far. and might go down as my favorite movie of the entire year. We'll see. That's all I got for you. Yeah, it was a blast. Next week, Nicolas Cage, The Unbearable Way to Massive Talent. Uh, go watch this movie. Go watch Moon Knight because I'm excited for next week. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, be a good friend, everybody.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the place where Black is the main character, where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop and BMF. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details.